Ich sehe es schon, bei mir wird aufgezeichnet. Ja, bei mir irgendwie noch nicht so weird. Welcome to another episode of Europe's B2B Tech Sales Podcast. Today with Werner Decker, um, scaling with partners um, with his own company after spending more uh, than a decade in various roles in growth, in affiliate partnerships management at Cleverbridge. Also, um, head of partnerships at Optimizely recently, and also taking on interim uh, mandates as VP Growth or interim ex executive. Uh, lastly, at Condilope and Value Desk. Um, ben, thanks so much for taking the time uh, to share a few insights on how scaling with partners can be done smartly. And if you could share like two actionable insights that people can implement still in 2021 without too much money. Thanks for having me, Manuel. Uh, well, two actionable insights. Well, the first one is really an insight of perception. Because when we talk about partners, most uh, B2B companies, startups, scale-ups, they think about uh, some type of agency and consulting company, and they want those companies introduce them to their customers, or even better, sell their product uh, directly to their customers, right? And the first thing about perception, what I mean is, we're talking about partners, we're really talking about three factors. That is access, it is influence, and it is uh, recognizing demand. So if you have those three in place, you have a target audience, you have access to the audience, you have influence to that audience, and you recognize when they need something, they have a, pro a problem and that needs to be solved, then you can really think about what type of partners you can work with. And I argue, actually, the first layer of partners or multiplier should be your own customers. Mm -hmm. Because your own customers, if they are happy with your product, they know other customers, they know investors, uh, they know other potential multipliers. And the first layer, and the first action item I usually propose to my customers is make use of your access, influence, and uh, the ability to know um, the, the need uh, of your own customers. Have them, have them introduce you to, to your audience. Warm intros. And this should be implemented as a structured process that is part of your sales funnel. I think that's such an interesting point you touch upon here with customer referrals. And everybody knows kind of it should be done. I know mm -hmm. very few companies that uh, like not crank the hell out of it, but leverage it consistently, right? And yeah. the, the word is consistency and part of the company process is not sometimes over a beer, maybe do you know somebody, by the way, I met this guy. Yeah, absolutely. And this is what I see throughout. I haven't seen one company except Optimizely where I learned, actually observed the process. Um, I didn't invent it. I just uh, observed it there uh, where it was implemented with consistency, even with an, an, an continuous improvement throughout the sales force. And maybe if, if that's of interest, I can give you the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, for sure. That I think that would be really interesting. Cool. So the, the basis, obviously, um, you need to have uh, a high NPS or customer satisfaction. So any customer that's better than a seven, I would say, is ready 
to make introductions or to recommend your product. If you're below that, you have other you have other issues you need to resolve, <laughs> right? So this is kind of the basis that we need in place. Yeah. But going from there, um, in your sales process, before the customer signs the contract, you should have, you should make an agreement with the customer, basically saying, "Dear customer, uh, we understand what you want out of working with us. We will invest." our full resources, customer success, our tools, everything to make you successful. And uh, we will have frequent QBRs with you. And if you are happy with us, we would ask you to make an introduction to three to five uh, people that you know in your network uh, that might be of use, that might be in need of something like us. And we will tell you who that is, and we will even write the intro message. You don't have to do anything. At some point in time, we will ask you, are you okay with that? And most customers basically say, well, if you solve the problem, if you get the job done, if you keep to your promise, I'm happy to do that. Sure, why not? So you do that even before actually signing the customer. You kind of pre-program it. Yeah. And I think that's that's like a, such an important point regarding timing and, and accountability and also responsibility tech limit. I think it's three different parts, right? Timing, like... A lot of people, they think like, oh, I cannot ask the customer for a referral until we work together for like at least a year or until like they had a 10x financial ROI on, or until they say they, we are ready. You actually say like, let's do it before we even sign the contract. And I think the second part is also at this conversation with a few scale-ups and it's like, how do you do referrals and sales saying like, well, it's part of customer success and then customer success is like, well, it's part of marketing and marketing is like, well, we don't actually speak to the customers or it's sales. And nobody's taking full responsibility and accountability. That's how did you yeah. learn that at Optimize and how would you recommend it, uh, especially also for a B2B software as a service company? So at Optimize, it was uh, the responsibility of sales because sales is ultimately uh, has the ownership of pipeline ultimately mm -hmm. and has the ownership of the customer conversation when it comes to delivering results because also sales has um, has a stake in upselling the customer further further down the customer life cycle. So that's that with sales. So you do the agreement. You need to deliver. You don't have, need have, you don't need to tell the customer well in, in one year or whatever what did you what you just brought up. What's the expectation for the next three to six months? And right. you make sure you you deliver within the next three to six months what the expectation is. Of course, you need some expectation management there. Then there's a QBR. Um, then QBR there's is quarterly business review, right? Quarterly, quarterly business review, exactly. Uh, usually done by the customer success manager. The sales guy joins, checks before with the customer, says, are they happy? Everything is going fine, great. And as a prep, the sales guy has looked at the LinkedIn account of that customer, saw who is in his network, of that customer, who has this customer worked before, uh, what is people they communicate with frequently, uh, etc. And then you ask, hey, I saw you know Joe, Paul, and Ida, can you make an intro? Yeah. And, and he and makes you... a warm intro via direct message via LinkedIn or via email, and it's done. It's, yeah, it's there's okay. actually a lot about simplicity as well and making it easier for, yeah. for partners to help you, right? Absolutely. And, and this is your customers. That's only the first layer. It's not even partners. It is the exactly. customers who do it. Um, customers as being your partners in getting into other customers. And they have access. 
they have influence because they worked together previously, for example. They don't know the need. This is a bit the, like the drawback. They don't know, is, is it the right timing? Are they actually in need of something like Optimizely? But still, those two factors are in place. And you get the warm intros. Three to five usually is, is what, what is realistic. It takes not even 10 minutes. And if you do this with consistency, you will have something in place like one customer brings in through recommendation and intros, brings in more than one additional customer. And you have this wonderful viral effect going on that, that doesn't, cost you, doesn't cost you the world. And you're banking basically on trust and access that's already in place. Yeah, and I think regarding the banking part, I think that's an interesting one, like paying customers for referrals and like how much, because we see often like startups coming to me, for example, it's like, hey, like we want to work with these large corporate global partners and we thought about paying them two to 5% commission. What do you think? And I'm kind of like, why should they do that at your ticket size while they can, Accenture can resell Salesforce pretty much and like make a million, get 10%. Like, how do you incentivize people and what, what money, what role does money play? Yeah, that's, that's a good point. So where I do see that work out is salespeople who are well-connected in the industry from other companies that are in addition, not a competitor. And those people, 10, 15, 20 years industry experience, they are looking to monetize their network at some point. Those are older salespeople who think about maybe retiring in a few years. And if you tell them this, um, I, I just did this for one customer. I cannot give the name now. But what we did is we mapped um, complementary solutions. We knew that by asking customers, okay, what type of solution are you, is, are you having in place in conjunction with our solution? We came up with a short list with like 15 or 16 different uh, vendors. So I reached out to these older salespeople at these companies and basically we said this. This is the company, what do you think? They said, oh, that's a cool solution. That's nice. We, I can totally see how some of our customers need this. Mm -hmm. We basically said, okay, if you refer us based on need and we close that customer, you get 12,000 euros within 30 days. Uh, as a referral fee, 12, not a percentage. We said, uh, this is the number you get. You get it within 30 days. So we want to make it really simple and yeah. we, wanted, we want to make it lucrative. Manuel, within three months, we had 18 high value referrals. High value That's referrals. intense, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> lucrative, simple, clear. When you sometimes look at those referral agreements, it's like a contract with 20 <laughs> pages and percentage. If this happens, if that happens, fuck that. Those people don't want that. They have no, because if those people are, are simple, straightforward yeah. business folks that just want, like, can you, I write it on a napkin over a beer and I understand it. It's like, okay, cool. Like, give me, give me the name, Hunt Lab. 100%. <laughs> and if you then really live up to your word, you pay that referral fee, you keep a bit of in contact, drop in maybe once a quarter, have them maybe uh, invite them to a company event where other customers hang, make some introductions. They are going to be your multipliers. They're going to be, you know, oh, this is a really cool sidekick. It, sometimes to them, it can become like a, a second source of income. Even. Yeah, for sure. That 12,000 euros, I mean, it, it's a very lucrative, like one email to write, right? Yeah. Um, 
talking with about deal size and like average conflict value, right? I mean, you mentioned like optimized, you, you have like 12K because it's this, this global, pretty much like digital uh, experience platform in the case of Optimizely. How would you recommend people going about if ticket size is more like five to 50K? I guess like Optimizely somewhere around like 50 to 100K ARR then, like can be larger, like open rollout. So this example is from a company, a customer with an average annual uh, ARR of around 80,000 yeah. uh, with a CLV that is hard to calculate because it hasn't been uh, long enough in business, but the oldest customer is four and a half years and they had only one churn. So customer lifetime value probably around, I don't know, probably a million, even more. And those accounts are growing because uh, they cater to uh, cost-saving solutions. Um, many um, locations, the, the solution gets adopted then throughout different locations and it's growing and more people are participating. So, and this is often a distorted view of the founders and CROs I work with. It's like, ah, we want to optimize our customer acquisition cost, right? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they're in the growth phase. And I always kind of challenge them and tell them, hey, we can optimize one thing. We can even go for fast growth that is very lucrative with CLV much higher than the cost required the customer. Or we can bring down customer acquisition costs, but we cannot do both at the same time. So let's make it easy and lucrative to work with partners and with those multipliers and then basically optimize for cost later. When you talk to marketers uh, like LinkedIn paid ads marketers, uh, pay-per-click, Google marketers, they usually, they go with the highest bid and then they bid down over time. And you want to, my recommendation working with partners and referral partners is go with a high bid, with a high price in the beginning, make it work and then bring down the price over time. Don't right. go too low, you don't get the traction. Yeah, because then nothing happens and it's just a paper tiger, right? Absolutely. And, and this is 99% of the time, you know, I hear that word paper tiger all the time. <laughs> yeah. And how would you, how would you do this? Like also for employee referrals, talent, right? I mean, like the big thing in B2B tech sales is, is talent. Like, let's be really honest uh, because there's, there's not enough of it. Right. So people pay head on this like 15 to 30,000 euros. If and I think that's, that's justified if it works out. Right. Um, how can you as a company leverage employee referrals for talent in a similar fashion? Well, find out what's important to them, make it easy, make it lucrative. It's yeah. all it, so all same, same principle for like company partners, for salespeople that want to build a second uh, income stream for employee referrals. 100%. And even uh, at one company, there is uh, one, um, one program in place. If employees join the company from other employees, from other employers and they leverage their network to bring in new customers they get the same commission as a referral partner so in this case of, of this one customer you join the company you have worked maybe as a consulting company before in the same space and you bring to bring in two new customers and it isn't your job to actually bring in customers so right. you're not in sales maybe right. you're in customer success maybe you're in marketing right so you still get the 12,000. Why not? Yeah. It's, no, no, it's no. ROI positive. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially if you're in growth phase, like it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah, so totally. totally. Maybe, and, uh, maybe, 
maybe talking a bit about um, scaling through partnerships and like your own company, like Decker Consulting by, by Laws, to say uh, that you founded uh, one and a half years ago, right? What was the trigger for you to go from uh, director of partnerships uh, and basically sales function to uh, found your own company? So uh, let's talk a bit more about scaling through partnerships. So your own company that you found roughly 18 months ago after uh, multiple interim executive mandates, like what was the trigger to found your company and if I, who, who is your ideal customer profile? Yeah, so the trigger point is that I saw, saw and still see a tremendous, tremendous opportunity growing through multipliers. And, you know, uh, I find like a lot of, I find like a lot of companies, uh, they just lack the experience. They lack the experience, they lack the, uh, the opportunity recognition. And uh, by being uh, a consultant, I can just help more companies seeing that opportunity and then actually setting it up, you know. Yeah, I mean, that makes a ton of sense. If I'm, let's say I'm the founder CEO of Sales Paper, which I am, and mm -hmm. um, referral is a thing that we get currently around like one third of our customers via referrals, which is not bad, but we're professionalizing partnerships, but we could do much more. Mm -hmm. um, how do I work with you? Like how much do I invest a year? How does, you, how does the collaboration model work like? So there's one, uh, there's three modes, basically. The first mode is a coaching program of three months. I call it lean channel development, where I take you through, um, through a playbook and um, process where we uh, map, recognize and capture those referral and partner opportunities one by one. And it's experiential also in nature. So some ideas won't, won't fly, but hopefully a few will fly uh, the more the better. Yeah. So that's kind of a structured coaching program. The second is I'm um, also like a, like a fractional VP partnerships where I work with you part-time. And the third option is I'm a fractional VP, I'm a full-time VP partnerships. So these three modes, um, that's right. So customers. With the word full-time, there's only like one full-time manager that you can take or maybe like three to five fractional ones, right? And then yeah. how do you how do you scale that? And like how, how does it work like on a daily rate? Is like a, a fix per month? Is it like commission only like per acquired partner sales? So my, my daily rate would be 1,490, uh, up to 50% variable. So if I look at the company and... and see this opportunity and then we would basically agree on a, a percentage of the referred revenue and this is actually where more and more of my proceeds uh, come from yeah it's seeing the opportunities uh and then capturing the opportunities basically i i like that that you also say like hey like this 50 50 like skin in the game but if, mm -hmm. if it works out that could actually make 10k a day like if it actually works Absolutely. out right Absolutely. if you bring in like 50k uh, on the day like why not uh, i think th this is then also a way to scale but apart from that how do you scale beyond like let's say sometimes when people do 250k 500k a million where will you end up in revenue if you want to talk about that end of 2021 so my model of scaling would actually now be work with customers who have more leverage right yeah. Uh, and it's basically me um, capturing the perception uh, of recognizing the opportunity that the customer might not see, actually. 
and this can maybe well let's see if I, how far I can stretch it because um, having worked with CRO agencies uh, conversion optimization agencies they sometimes found uh, a lot of revenue under the sofa of a client just by tweaking the website a little bit and then the <laughs> yeah. client said basically no you know this was just two days of work we're not going to pay you half a million for it right so um, I expect to run into those problems at some point and this is something that you know your model uh, the sales playbook is really interesting because I totally see how that can actually be uh, extended or there can be a, like a second version for partnerships and channels and uh, uh, multiplier strategies basically yeah I know that that make, that makes a ton of sense but still like how do you how do you scale scaling through partnerships beyond like a million in annual revenue because there's only so much you so much value in a decade in the world right I don't. You, do you want to? Do you want to to hire some people? Do you want to build like a, a ten million company, or do you want to build a really great lifestyle business? I think where it can easily go to two hundred to five hundred k annual revenue. So if if I had a co-founder, someone who shared the vision, I would love to build something like the sales playbook. I would build the, the channel playbook. But for some reason, yeah. I'm not. I don't like to be the, the lonely wolf like building it all by myself and not that guy. I can see myself as a consultant right now and as a coach, but not as a founder, strangely. And it's a, it's a psychology thing, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this absolutely. is the answer. And I'm, I'm discussing this with a lot of like people that have like a very specific niche expertise, like health tech go to market or product like growth or like LinkedIn. And people like Thibaut Swedish, for example, like we, we had, I think it was the third podcast episode ever. He is like, I don't want to build a million co dollar company. I want mm -hmm. to have flexibility. I want the freedom to operate. I want to um, have time to learn and like not have this this pressure, right? Like this VC back stuff. So I, I appreciate that actually. Like it also allows you to be fully like investor independent and so on, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's it. And my preference would actually be something build something like the, the sales playbook for channel teams as i said um um but i have to look for a co-founder to do that yeah and then yeah, that makes a lot of sense what i understood you are you are bootstrapped you don't have any investment right yeah right so we grew like 300 percent last year probably around 100 percent this year grew from like two to seven people yeah wow yeah but it's it, it, it is different right like sometimes i think oh i was i was like a 25k MRR, like monthly recurring revenue last year, pretty much by myself and can run that, or like to help 1,000 and 10,000 like B2B SaaS startups, can I do it alone? And the, answer, the honest answer is like, no. And, that's where um, I am as well now. That's where I'm now. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody, everybody needs to go through this decision of like, I think there's a great book called The E-Myth by Michael Gerber of mm -hmm. like the operated the visionary and the entrepreneur and, mm -hmm. and, the, and the manager and some people i think he tells the story with a bakery right um i was like hey do you not everybody who loves baking bread should found a bakery and not everybody who wants to found a bakery should run a bakery chain <laughs> the hard thing yeah. is like to understand where why you want to go in your own life and because all, there's not, nothing that one is better than the other right Hundred percent, and I do see myself as a builder. And um, funny enough, my my family is a house builders family. So oh, everybody in my family, I have three older brothers. They also they are all house builders, 
and in some way i feel this 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 joy of building something and i still have the vision of building something yeah but um yeah i, I need to look i need to look for a co-founder i guess yeah like yeah absolutely like may, may make complete sense right but um maybe maybe some rapidify question on like towards this direction of um customer success so to say I, I find it interesting when you said that about like nps core like below seven uh, or below eight you shouldn't really ask right um can can you maybe share like when you say like more leverage also if you have like two customers one you could prevent from churning and one you could double a or r like which one do you choose and why i think it's really important to to prevent churn because each customer who churns um he's lost probably forever and he won't speak well about the company usually so well, if you can rectify that then i would i would definitely go for that i think that that's an interesting one to associate churn with unhappiness i guess mm -hmm. like what do you do with customers who have an mps like one to ten on so like hey it's a nine or it's a ten i'm really happy i will not continue like collaborating with you because a my problem is solved b i cannot extract the full value c i need to implement and do it later Which oh yeah like i mean that's, that's valid. to be honest <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i was i was giving my answer on the premise the customer wasn't happy well as as you said i mean of course that that happens um and and then of course then if the problem is solved or customer needs to reprioritize budget for some reason that's 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 a valid reason you know yeah for sure um, and we have people that like uh my first customer back in like march 2019 is now working again with us right and he mm -hmm. came back but it took like two years and it's like hey hire the chief sales officer fire the chief sales officer now i need help like can we ramp it up uh and i think that's that's entirely valid um i think the part when you talked about like your three months partnership program so to say like coaching program is you you will hit this three to six months customer lifetime wall as well because you help people so much in a structured fashion and then they're, they're, they're good right as they will tell you like Werner like I appreciate it now we need to implement how are you going to tackle that in your own business um well that's a bit of a challenge uh how I tackle it is I bring in some younger folks yeah so what I say is we validated the partner channel it's now validated just like it's almost like you you validate your product product yeah, market absolutely. fit you go about validating the partner channel or the referral channel right so it's now it's now um, validated it i run it and now let's get someone younger uh continue who i i'm ready to coach to mentor uh, making sure that person is successful with you but you probably don't need me on a, on a on a continuous or daily basis and usually like the the daily rate really takes care of it because uh, if you run the math it would be like uh like 300k uh, a year even, yeah, even if sure. partnerships is really good you know it's, it's it doesn't take a lot of convincing <laughs> a founder that he might find some 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 cheaper talent for that. yeah i think that that's an interesting one right and for, for me there was at one point, just like how my, my hourly rate, even if I hate hourly rates, apparently double because I just told somebody like, what's your hourly rate? Like 
uh, I don't have one. Like I dropped them like a year ago. I was like, no, give me now the rate like five hundred bucks. Like, okay, cool, let's do it. It's like, why do you do this? <laughs> because <laughs> it's like one and a half hours, or you can uh, for eight hundred bucks amongst like all our templates, all our knowledge, sixteen thousand group coaching sessions. Why? It's like, yeah, I just really want to work with you. Like, okay, cool. But I mean, that that's probably the fastest way to get yourself out of the game. Yeah. It just has like a booking link. It's thousand bucks and Calendly prepaid. Um, you can but exactly. It's not the angle, right? Exactly. And I know the founders and I've worked with a range of founders and we had uh, freelancers coming in uh, doing like LinkedIn ads or maybe copywriting. And they always said like, okay, this guy's is charging 1200, you know, let's make sure like in, in six weeks we have something money internally as a replacement. Right. So this is often how founders think and oh, it's overpriced or it's expensive. We need to bring down the cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at least they get to work, right? Then they, then if if it's expensive, at least they get to work and they implement, which is adoption is like a thing, right? We do. We had it recently, like quite a few like sales success calls that we offered to some partnerships, and people didn't show up, like no show because there was no commitment. Yeah, yeah. And if it's, yeah. people people show up to this twelve hundred bucks an hour call, I guess. 100 percent and and often what i see with not with all the founders but often what i see is founders are very cost sensitive with uh with areas that are highly leveraged yeah and i, I would always argue guys this is highly leveraged like if you if you if you see seo traffic for example you don't want to save on your seo expert in the beginning at least <laughs> Right. If you see this potential for a partner channel, partner channels can be a massive growth driver. You don't want to save up on the on the on the expert on on, on who knows how to build that such a channel because no, it, it's not a, it's not a how to cut the cake and how much like percentage of it is is, is foods and how much is sugar in the jam. Right. It's more like do you see a cha a channel that can generate a million in revenue quickly and like then it doesn't matter so much if you invest like fifty or hundred k. Or you don't believe in a channel and you need to validate the channel first, which is a different thing. Like let's put five to ten K to validate if it can generate hundred K, which is valid, I think. If you don't 100%. understand if it works. Hundred percent. And still you need someone who knows enough to validate it. If if you if you if you're lacking the expertise, you might come up with the idea of oh it's not working for some reason, right? And oh that channel doesn't work for us. If the customer is there and you know what you're doing, that channel will work. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think the validation part is actually harder. Like finding product market fit is harder than somebody just like buying paid ads for you and just like cranking the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's a harder skill that combining go to market, like sales and, and business model innovation, some revenue model innovation sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. coming coming to like maybe two, three last questions and also over to you for anything you'd like to share. Um, I mean, you mentioned you learned a lot at Optimizely around like partners, like channel sales management, how to really leverage that on a consistent basis. What other books, podcasts, people can you recommend to learn from in your domain? So I highly recommend a book by Peter Beck. It's called Building Successful Partner Channels. Mm -hmm. Um, and another book that I highly, highly recommend that I believe is the greatest opportunity in the whole startup founders world is, uh, it's called the success principles by Jack Canfield. And, yeah, that, that, that's great. If you want to, uh, just send across these links and then we can include them also in the podcast description. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. 
And then um, what do you, what is one thing that you wish you would have known when you were 20 and how old are you now? I'm now 44. Um, really how the mind works. Things like visualization, uh, visualizing success, affirming success, um, things also like instead of figuring out every problem through rational thinking, really do some form of meditation and then just ask deeply and the, 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 the answer will come. I really believe in that and I've, I've leveraged these simple techniques more than, more than once. The subconscious is very, very powerful. That's what I learned. Nice. And, and if you and if you learn to leverage it, it's you you have a big leg up. Yeah, and and an unfair advantage to people that just went through the school system and like two plus two equals four, and then yeah, yeah, like yeah, read yeah, yeah. twenty pages, execute the checklist, uh, and it's not covered there. I feel in traditional education, hundred percent. And just what I'm talking about. I mean, we all have had this experience. You you're grappling with a problem. How do we do this? How do we do this? At some point, you let go. And the answer maybe comes while doing fitness a week later, or while being under the shower, or while talking to friends. And all of a sudden, this is the way to go, right? What happened? Yeah. You sent the command to your subconscious, please process this problem for me. And in a form of an intuition or an image or a hunch, it comes back to you. And uh, I think we are lacking a bit of education of, of leveraging our psyche in a more, in a more effective way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like aiming to that. And um, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time today and uh, founding your own company 18 months ago, working with um, not only startups, but also established B2B tech companies, I understand, to help them build uh, partnerships in a model that's right for them, like full-time VP partnerships, fractional VP partnerships, or also helping them over three months period in a structured way to establish it for themselves. Previously, also working at, at Quantilo uh, and optimizing, helping them to get really successful. Uh, three things I learned from you is really make it part of the process early on, like even before you sign a deal, maybe. Second, um, make it like leverage your customers if they're happy and make them happy first, obviously. And third, um, have growth potential before like cost optimization if that's your path in the company, especially. And it should be in this general call partnerships. Cool, Manuel. Thanks. Thank you a lot for, for having me. It was fun talking to you. Thanks so much. Bye.